This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer We're gonna check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer, and today I am joined once again in the studio by a favorite guest of mine, a friend of mine, a fellow BravoCon 2022 survivor. Please welcome back to the podcast, the host of the Andy's Girls podcast, Sarah Galley. Oh my God, such a pleasure to be here. Can I also just say that the only major edit I did on our Andy's Girls BravoCon episode was to remove the line, I'm a BravoCon survivor, which I thought... <laughs> Was too much, even though the following two-hour episode is us dragging certain aspects of it. But I was like, wait, this might be too much. And I took it out. I, Look, I regret I don't that say, maybe. I, I don't say that, that in any sort of serious way, though. aside from the fact that it was a long ass weekend yes. and we have persevered. And now we are sitting down to record together for the second time <laughs> this Indeed. week because I had the pleasure of coming on your podcast yes. this past Monday uh, for fresh off of the BravoCon experience and we really got into it. So if you want more in-depth BravoCon content, um, go, che- go check that out <laughs> on Andy's Girls. Of course, I talked about BravoCon a lot with another Sarah, Sarah here on, on Tuesday. Um, there are some things that I feel like from this episode of Beverly Hills that we're going to talk about feel a little bit relevant to some of the over the weekend. uh, Michigas, as my people say, (laughs) shout out. Yes. Um, Just because Beverly Hills has become such a lightning rod of weirdness in these last days, weeks, months, and the whole Lisa Rinna situation of it all just feels like... There's something strange going on, and I don't know if she doesn't want to be there anymore or if she just really in some deeper level feels like she needs a break or wants a break. or It's a little hard to figure out what is going on with Lisa Rinna at this point. Well, I think that's such a good point. And I think that there is a level of confusion here because she plays a part on social media of the woman who doesn't give a fuck, who's inciting chaos, doing a dirty delete where she posts something she knows is going to get a lot of attention wrapped up in controversy, wrapped up in a bacon wrap scallop. Like she knows that she is going to, she's looking for attention. Then she does a dirty delete And then she makes fun of people reacting to the things she says. She then goes on the reunion and talks about how sensitive she is. We see her at BravoCon, you know, in commercial breaks for the Legends Ball. She's completely isolating herself, just looking unhappy. And it's like, well, listen, we're all sensitive, I think, to a certain point. And certainly being a public face in that sense adds 
a level of complexity to the idea of sensitivity, but she is looking for negative attention. I don't know which Rinna we're supposed to care about more. The Rinna we see on the show, which is someone who is uh, very complicated and used to be a villain we enjoyed. And for many of us, it's like a villain who's just there to vill versus the person she is on social versus the person she showed us or the the way she was behaving at BravoCon. It was very, it's very confusing mm -hmm. to figure out why we should care. Well, and I think a lot of the stuff that comes up in this second part of the reunion is kind of behavior that she did either on the season or on social media and kind of giving her a chance to explain or to own it, baby, or to apologize. And there are a couple instances where she does, but she is finding a lot of places to deflect or to uh, maybe give an excuse. Like with this, the thing with Garcelle's book, we find out that it was not actually Erica who threw the book in the trash, which was a whole huge thing on social media months ago that Erica posted this photo of the book in the trash. We find out that it was actually Rinna who threw the book in her trash. And then she sent the photo in a group text that Garcelle was not in. So presumably everybody is kind of talking shit about Garcelle in this group text is what I would infer from that. Right. And which then the bigger reveal. And then Erica thought the photo was funny so she posted it on social media after Garcelle used the clip of her saying you can look, whatever. It's it's like, it's one of those things where it's a dumb thing, but the fact that finding out six months later that actually it was completely different than our public knowledge of the situation and it originated from Lisa Rinna, but then she doesn't really take responsibility for that because she says that the reason she did it was because Garcelle included this thing about Amelia's eating disorder in the book and they had agreed not to say anything negative about the kids. And I thought Garcelle and Andy kind of was pointing out that it's like she literally just referenced a situation that happened on the show. She wasn't talking shit about Amelia in the book. So many thoughts, starting with, who gives a shit about the book being thrown in the trash. It's hard because there are actual stakes here and all actual terrible things that have happened on social media. Most obviously what happened to Garcelle and Jax, that caring about a book being thrown in the trash is so ridiculous. And the amount of time they devoted to that, like it was some big reveal was weird to me. A lot of us knew it was happening because an account had gotten insider scoop. So many of us saw that that was like one of the big ooh la la moments, but I watched it and I was like, even if I didn't know that, I'm thinking like, why are we talking about this so much? And also it's such a drag to Garcelle whose face looked pained. And I don't know how much of that was editing or anything else, but it was so awkward and uncomfortable. And the only information gained from that or gleaned from that, which I was interested in, was the fact, as you said, that they were talking shit about her, which Garcelle said this happened because in a group chat, they were making fun of her, which I think is ridiculous. I also think I've discussed a lot on Andy's Girls because it's come up so much on BH this season. My And I've written about this for the Daily Beast, the incredibly problematic way that production and editing have talked about Crystal's um, experiences with body dysmorphia and an eating disorder and how dangerous that can be when 
positioned in the way that the show chose to do it. And I thought it was kind of weird that the women on the cast sort of disavow responsibility for their behavior. Mm. And yet Rinna is saying that Garcelle harmed her child when, as you said, she's talking about what happened on the show, but also like to suggest that Garcelle was making light or act, writing in a way that was negative about her daughter's struggle with an eating disorder, which is what was discussed in the book, like Rinna's dancing and, and behavior right. and lifestyle and whatever, and the influence that had, the way that that was positioned as a negative thing about Amelia, I thought, this is just my opinion and it truly doesn't matter. Everyone has the right to disagree. We should embrace that. But I thought that was manipulative. I thought that was manipulative of Rena to suggest, or she doesn't have the, understandably so, doesn't have the capacity for that kind of conversation, which she might not because it's her kid, but I didn't think Garcelle did anything wrong. Yeah, and then, I mean, sort of taking off of whatever Garcelle did or didn't say about Amelia in the book and kind of relating it back to her, um, you know, her eating disorder. Then when you compare that to the discussion of Crystal's stuff on this season, and even in the first part of the reunion, when Erica still doesn't really seem to see any big issue with the way she spoke to Crystal, that it's like, well, I was saying what I would have done. So it's, it's interesting that Rinna takes such issue with it in this way that Garcelle referenced it, but you don't see her going out. You don't see her correcting Erica or explaining to Dorit why it was harmful or any of that stuff when it's on Crystal's behalf. Like it, it the, I think the, the most frustrating thing about watching this part of the reunion to me with Rinna is just that she is so selective when she chooses to give a shit and stick up for someone and, you know, really like, you know, choose to care. And I think Sutton kind of brought that up. She asks Lisa why she hates her. And Lisa's like, well, I don't, I, I, I'm sorry. You feel like, you know, and she's like, well, you, Lisa's like, I had a rough season. And Sutton's like, well, you posted all this stuff about me yeah. after the season. Right. And Lisa's like, well, I was hurt. And Sutton's like, but you didn't do it about anyone else. And I think like Lisa, I think if she had had just kind of a, a rough season overall and kind of was taking it out on everybody, it would be a little bit easier to kind of write it off as like, wow, she really was going through it. But when it feels so targeted against these people who, against somebody specific who hasn't really done anything to deserve that level of vitriol, anger and vitriol, it's like, okay, like Lois's passing didn't make you hate Sutton and not, and like not be mad at anybody else. And she, Rena has been mean and aggressive for many seasons, which many Bravoholics have referenced online and was a question that Andy asked um, during the reunion. Like, what's the excuse before? Because mm -hmm. the, the problem here is that many people are not suggesting that grief can lead a person to react in a way that they wouldn't normally. And that grief doesn't have, have an expiration date. It can last how, forever. I mean, there is a trauma, I think, that comes with losing a parent specifically that can lead a person to behave in different ways, not all of them great. But as you suggested, her 
explanation of grief does only seem focused on behavior relating to Sutton. And that doesn't explain the ways that she seemed to act identically to seasons before. That's what yeah. is frustrating, I think, for people. Yeah, I was I was excited that Andy specifically asked a question about her behavior in the past yeah. and specifically referenced Denise Vanderpump yeah. and Kim Richards. Yeah. But then Lisa basically skated right around that and just said, you know, well, I was, this season was really tough and blah, 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 blah. And kind of gave the same boilerplate stuff we've heard from her this season. And then Andy didn't really hold her feet to the fire at all. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Can we please stick? Can we please stay on Denise Vanderpump and Kim for just a minute longer? And actually Lisa's in the reunion chair, force her to acknowledge the fact that this is behavior she has displayed in the past. And while grief does not have an expiration date, grief does have a beginning date. And four years ago when she was saying Kim was close to death. Lois was with us. She was not grieving Lois. Lois was not yet a bird. That's the thing. I think with Andy, sometimes there's a frustration of like, even sometimes when he does ask the right question, then he kind of just takes whatever they offer up on the first try. And it's like, okay, moving on. And I get that you have to like keep the show moving, but it's like, no, no, no. I think everybody watching would have liked just a little more focus on that. I, for so I don't typically watch Housewives Live, as you know, but yeah. I have made that sacrifice um, for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. And what I have been doing with um, one of my very good friends who we call the OG of the AG, Damien Bellino, is we FaceTime each other during commercial breaks, oh like God, absolute so psychopaths, <laughs> um, which adds a level of chaos that I am have become obsessed with, Yeah, um, especially when I forget and a minute goes by and then I FaceTime him and then we have 15 seconds before we the episode returns. But the thing that we were talking about one of the commercial breaks, which I continue to be befuddled by, especially with the second part of the reunion, is that we were all told this was a dark fucking reunion cycle, so bad they couldn't pose for photos. And I'm just wondering, like, when does that happen? Because we've seen isolated moments, obviously this episode with Kyle and Crystal and some other stuff mm-hmm. where there does seem to be like genuine tension. Um, but... I'm not getting a vibe here that the reunion is even rewatchable. I'm not getting a vibe here that we're getting good. What I'm getting is like stilted, awkward, not really anything stuff, which is weird to me for a season that has felt very dark and at points problematic. Like there's just something about this where I'm like, I don't get that you guys filmed for 75,000 hours that day and it was really tense. I'm not getting that energy from the episode. That could also just be me, but I'm not getting a sense here that this episode is like so wild. Yeah, to me, it's not so much that it's wild. I think that there is kind of a a layer of something just feels a little bit icky almost. Yes. And you can see that you referenced before Garcelle's face a lot of the time kind of listening to these conversations or when people are speaking to her or even you can, it it's a little bit pained and that it feels like a lot of these, a lot of these topics, even if it's not explosive drama or so entertaining that they're talking about things that really are impactful on some deeper level. You know, Garcelle 
getting this book published and that kind of achievement and then finding out whether this was the first time she found out or not, that there had been kind of this back channel of people saying probably not very nice things about it. That is hurtful on probably a deeper level to her than just like, I threw the book in the trash. And even, and then when you have, you know, Crystal and Garcelle both clearly have a lot of feelings about certain things that have been said or posted within this group. And the idea that things can come through and have microaggressions or, you know, kind of an air of just being something that it's like, I don't really think you know what this is saying or what kind of how this looks or how this makes me feel. And then the idea that when they do bring those issues up, it's so you know, it's seen as so taboo within the group that when they're like, you don't think that anyone in this group could be racist, do you? And it's like, the answer has to be no, because can you imagine in that reunion room if Garcelle was like, "Eh, I mean, I'm not like, it it just, it, it kind of puts them in an unfortunate position where it's like, we should be able to talk about this stuff, but because, you know, it's like five white women being like, you don't think we're racist, do you? It's like, what is Garcelle supposed to say? What is Crystal supposed to say? There's no there's no right answer other than, no, of course not. Well, there's no position to answer aside from, of course not. And it gets into the the thing here that nobody wants to talk about, which is very complicated, which I as a white woman have struggled with, admittedly so, which is the idea that like you might not be racist with a capital R, but you can do racist things. And what we're talking about right now is the idea that the there is only one option. Like microaggressions are hard to understand. So we can only talk about intent when it is directly related to the idea of a person being racist. And that's not the world in which we live. Mm-hmm. And you can be a person who doesn't intend to say or do racist things who says or does racist things. Like, how are we going to actually talk about this if we refuse to acknowledge it because everyone is so afraid of the R word? And that's what I thought was really fucking problematic about even when you think about things that were discussed on reunions previously or in conversation previously, the idea that Rinna said she didn't want to talk about race on the show, which came up at a prior reunion, like all of the dots are connecting here and her behavior on social media and a lack of depth that Rena has um, an awkwardness and a nervousness, but also an ownership in a conversation that Rena shouldn't be the one to lead. And yet her responses are what carries like, okay, if these women aren't racist with a capital R, there's no longer a problem. Let's move on. And it is that interest in moving on about topics that are really complicated without even allowing the door to remain open to this, which is fucked. Right. And I think with with Garcelle, obviously her lived experience is as a black woman and this informs so many things about her, her life and her experiences and her feelings and how, you know, just how she goes through the world. And I think when Rinna and others, I think are, you know, on different levels guilty of this too, when they're trying to leave that out of the conversation by default, Garcelle is going to feel like she isn't fully accepted or can't fully bring her experiences to the group. When, when Rina is saying that post about, we can't 
we can't say anything negative about Garcelle or Crystal because then we're we're racists all of a sudden. I think it's only about Garcelle. Okay, I, I yeah, it's like may I mean for of course there is there are going to be people online who are throwing wild accusations out there or jumping to conclusions, but it's like if Garcelle is really somebody that you care about or you know, have respect for on any level, you should be able to have that dialogue back and forth where you can come to an understanding and really, you know, feel what her, where she's coming from and everything that that carries with it without just jumping to the thing of, well, if I'm not your best friend, it's because I'm a racist. So now I can't, now I'm forced to say nice things about you. And it's like, damn, wow. Really feeling the love from you there. Like that's not better. And the thing is that Rena was so clear, like that Instagram story was very clear. And yet the focus is now on Garcelle's reaction and Garcelle's absolution of mm-hmm. what Rena said. And it's like, babe, like you fucking said it. Like it just, it's, It sucks because I just think that there's a level, obviously, which gets into the idea of microaggression, even in the way that these questions are being framed, in the way that the reunion has been strategized, that puts so much pressure, like the onus of this on Garcelle. And also, not to like sidebar, but this whole fucking book in the trash thing is so dumb and childish in a way that's like, a nothing burger to me, but then you get into what's actually in the book, like Garcelle's interaction with Bill Cosby. And I just think to myself, wow, Rinna has the chills. Bitch, you would have known what was in the book if you fucking read it. Like (laughs) you threw away Garcelle talking about nearly potentially being sexually assaulted by Bill Cosby. And you're saying, oh my God, I got the chills. You fucking threw this away. Imagine being Garcelle talking about experiences she may not have shared yeah. publicly before and the level of disrespect, you're not connecting the dots. It's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You threw away her sharing right, that like, story, you stupid bitch. Right, like you- <laughs> <laughs> You you missed thoughts, your I you thought. missed your chance to be the one that's like wow that's so brave thank you for sharing your truth because you threw the truth in the trash you threw the truth in the trash <laughs> Summer is fast approaching which means more social events more weddings to attend more nights on the town and hopefully more vacations that's why I'm so thankful for today's sponsor Honey Love for covering us with the best shapewear With Honey Love you can feel your best even when you're wearing less they've revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they are the only shapewear that won't ever roll down, no matter how much you groove on the dance floor. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about effective shapewear, Honey Love's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. The Superpower Short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the 
the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back of the thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started, honeys. Shape your life with Honey Love. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I ask you a really complicated question. Oh, God. It's really complicated. Guys, this is a, mention it all as a safe space. Dylan and I have recorded together. Is it? It, it is now. Okay. Um, I'm making it. So look at me. I'm just like a Beverly Hills housewife. Um, You're, I'm like, okay, now I'm pulling, we're like a panel at BravoCon. Get to the question. Okay. <laughs> this is my question. Hi, I'm Susan from Alabama. And first off, I need to tell you an eight hour story of my life before I ask you your favorite color. Um, do you want Brenna to come back? I think I do. It's complicated. I think I do. And the, the thing is, okay. So first of all, I... <laughs> At the top of my notes was stuff about Diana, which we literally haven't even mentioned because she, they deservedly, they they closed the laptop on Diana four minutes into this segment. I clocked it. (laughs) And that was including previously on. Uh, So I think at this point, we all agree that it is safe to assume Diana Jenkins will not be returning to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's the last time we'll see her on camera ever again. Like it would be shocking if she came back. So, Assuming that we are now a group of seven plus plus Kathy or Sheree or whatever, seven housewives that we have this season, I don't really have major complaints about the cast. I think there are I think there are things that frustrate me about the specific situations and maybe about kind of the overall tone of this season, but I when I think about it, I don't actually think I have, I don't think my issues are with the makeup of the cast. And I think maybe they could bring in somebody new, maybe, maybe somebody who's a housewife could get demoted. I don't know. I haven't really, I don't really know exactly what I think the cast should be next season. But when you talk about building a cast and ensuring that there are going to be interesting storylines to follow and things like that, I just, have never quite felt like firing Rinna is Going the best that. path to that next season. I will say there are certain other developments at the reunion that have sort of sparked something that I think could mm. be really interesting next season, like this kind of Erica and Lisa a little bit more on an island together. And it feels like Dorit and Kyle have sort of separated themselves just a little bit And we saw that at the end of the season when Erica had her freak out in Aspen and was like, I don't give a fuck about anybody but myself. Kyle was not on board with that. You know, there were, there was kind of a little more friction within the Fox force, if you will. Um, So I think that is an interesting thing that we could follow into next season. I also think this Crystal and Kyle dynamic Mm. is, I mean, packed with tension, mm-hmm. very interesting. And it doesn't feel like something that is going to be forgotten 
if mm-hmm. they keep, if they stay, if they both stay on the show next season, I think that that is a wound that might fester a little bit. And that is a great place to start a season. And so I think in terms of the overall cast, it's like they can play around with it. I don't have an issue with that, but there's nobody really in this group that I'm like, get her off the island other than Diana, which I mean, she's already- She owns the island. (laughs) Diana's already her lifeboat's headed back to shore. She's in the tender (laughs) back to shore right as we speak. So I, yeah, I mean, where are you right now on on Rina's employment status? I want to start with the end, which is what you said with Kyle and Crystal. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Kyle has been in my top five and I refuse to take her off the top five. I am a German shepherd apologist. Um, I love a woman who shops. Uh, Smoky. <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, I have complicated feelings about her uh, complicated relationship with Kim. Um, so, you know, I don't know that she's on pause. I just think it's like you've got to acknowledge that a person is very complicated and there are aspects of mm-hmm. Kyle that I think are like horrible, which I'm very into uh, discussing. Um, but I think it's really important to have somebody in Beverly Hills who hates Kyle. I think that is so helpful to the storyline. These two women hate each other. And I am extremely into that. Like the way that they were looking at each other of like, you fucking suck. No, you fucking suck is iconic to me, regardless of the actual topic, which is very complicated. I would like to have somebody in the cast who walks in next season and is like, you are bad. Like, I don't want to fuck with you. We're not friends. Or we're friends, but I'm going to fuck with you. No, they're not even friends. You can call them friends. I agree with you. I think Kyle has often been at her best when she is really kind of pushed up against a wall. Someone push her. And she hasn't really had that the last couple of seasons, aside from there were, you know, a couple brief moments where she and Garcelle really weren't in a good place, but that was kind of smoothed over between the reunion and the beginning of the next season. They had a couple conversations and it was better. I think Kyle really didn't want to be on in Garcelle enemy territory because who, I mean, losing battle. Everybody loves Garcelle. We we were both at BravoCon. Garcelle was one of the people that was getting the biggest reactions all weekend. People, and also Kathy. Also Kathy. Yeah, so I think Kyle does find herself in an interesting place of she doesn't want to necessarily make enemies with these people that she's had some tough moments with. And so for her, it's going to be a question of is being besties with Dorit and maybe in a pretty good place with Sutton and Garcelle, is that enough or what's going to happen? I also wonder because I think we know that Crystal used to be friends with Teddy right, and is no longer friends with Teddy. Right. And Kyle is a besties with Teddy. Sisters even. Sisters. <laughs> and so I do sort of wonder if that is a little nugget of maybe underneath the surface, we're not talking about it yet, but maybe Teddy has said some stuff to Kyle about Crystal that is making her wee 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 like a little red flag. And as much as I... Don't even say it. I will walk off right now. I don't know that I want to see Teddy next season, but I would like to unpack maybe the dynamic there a bit. Well, I think Teddy is the ghost that's lurking on top of this. Cause I do think, and I think it's been like discussed on two T's and a pod shout out to Tamra and Tamra oh alone. Oh God. Um, one T, one T and half of a pod is all that I will I'm bleep that out. <laughs> Trigger warning. 
baby carrots. Um, Google that. I think that that carries into a lot of us. And there's also been a conversation online of like, is part of this because Kyle has gotten scoop from Teddy? And is a part of this because Kyle thinks that if Crystal's no longer on the show, Teddy gets her spot. And it's like, babe, nobody wants that except for the four of you motherfuckers on that stage. And y'all aren't giving me enough mm -hmm. to like believe that strengthening the majority is the way we need to go. We actually yeah. need the opposite of I, that. Yeah, I think- between, in the last two seasons, the center of gravity in this cast has shifted and it's no longer Kyle, Dorit, Erica, Rinna and whoever they want. It's going to be more of a Garcelle, Sutton, Kyle, Dorit, that sort of like it has shifted to the left a little bit, not necessarily in a political way shifting to the left, but just in my mind. Yeah, um, I get what you're saying. That it's saying. like. The way two seasons ago, Garcelle had only was still a relative newbie. Sutton was a friend of the season before. And Sutton's first season, a lot of people didn't really like her. Uh, Sutton had a tough. How dare you? Sutton had a tough reception her yeah, first yeah. year. Yeah. And I think the kind of going after Erica last year really shifted the tide in Sutton's favor. And I think it can't be underestimated how much how much the show has changed in the last two years, kind of maybe without everyone realizing it that's in the cast. And that's why all of a sudden it's like, oh, Erica and Rinna are in kind of a tough spot. Yeah, it's the complicated dynamic. It's the math that doesn't make sense when the people who have so much favor with the audience and so much favor with um, so much power with the audience in Garcelle and Sutton don't necessarily have that with the cast or the cast right. is trying to punish them for the way that they are otherwise adored. And that gets difficult because nobody's really acknowledging it. But I do also want to reference something that you said a moment ago about Kyle and Garcelle and the fact that Kyle doesn't want to necessarily fuck with Garcelle. Well, babe, it's a little late. And it's something <laughs> that Garcelle talked about during BravoCon, which was like the way that Diana was defended, that mm -hmm. she was not. Kyle like done fucked up. And I hope that that is a part of next season because the way that, Kyle and who else was doing this? Doree or no, Erica. Well, I guess the three of them were trying to explain and forgive Diana mm -hmm. on Garcelle's behalf by being like, she didn't mean poorly by attacking you and harassing you on social media and whatever else is like, actually that part they didn't defend, but other aspects yeah. is really complicated. And I think that it's important as they did in talking about the microaggression of referencing the charity stuff as an ooh la la reveal that a part of this conversation next season is not to necessarily discuss Diana by name, because like who wants her to continue to be a narrative, but to say the way that you looked at someone as needing aid in that moment and not me yeah. is wild and complicated and bad. Right. So we look forward to the next season with six housewives and then the ghosts of Teddy and Diana, respectively. Oh, God. <laughs> I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get back to enjoying some time in the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring mayflowers and also sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have had seasonal allergies for pretty much my entire life. Unfortunately, there are 
definitely those days where I have canceled my plans because I simply just don't want to be out in the world because of my allergies. But luckily, Claritin is the perfect thing that you can just take at the beginning of the day. And it really helps with all of those symptoms, clearing up your eyes, clearing up your sinuses, clearing up your congestion. It's the easiest way to just get those allergies under control, whether it's in the spring, any other time of year. And it's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Splash refreshers are the delicious zero-calorie beverage I'm reaching for again and again when I'm feeling thirsty for something flavorful. I believe in the three-beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash spices it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. Lately, my go-to office beverage has been the Splash Wild Berry flavor. It's so nice to just put a few in the fridge at the beginning of the week. Grab one whenever you want something nice and refreshing. It's just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of sweetness. You know the vibes. When you want something refreshing, when you want something hydrating, Splash is the perfect thing to reach for. It perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. And it's available in five craveable flavors. Wild Berry, that's my favorite, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin in orange. It's there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Shall we talk about Salt Lake City? Sure. I feel like I sort of said that in a <laughs> Meredith Marks voice. Let's talk about Salt Lake City. Um, we resume at the uh, garbage whore lingerie <laughs> party with uh, Jen Shaw making great decisions with Heather yelling at Whitney uh, and co- for calling her a liar about saying that she didn't know that Lisa sucked dick for Utah Jazz tickets. <laughs> it's giving very Brielle. Who does Brielle have to blow for John Legend tickets? Uh, <laughs> Shout out Chrissy Teigen. This Whitney and Heather situation exploding. Also, another BravoCon tie-in, while we've seen in real time this past weekend that Whitney and Heather are very much still not in a good place, kind of this episode seeing a little bit more of the root cause of that, it's it's tricky. Watching that episode, I'm like, I felt myself really being challenged in a way that I'm like, you know... I don't want to say I see both sides because that sounds a little bit too like, I think they're both right. But like, I think in, in specific ways on specific things, I agree with different people. And I think it's hard because the whole Whitney thing this season, we're four episodes into Mm. the season and Whitney has already brought up such deep personal stuff and this healing journey that she's on is really clearly such a major thing happening in her life and is so complicated for her to be navigating. But then on the other hand, it feels like she is conflating support for the healing journey with support for 
telling Lisa that she heard a rumor that she sucked dick for jazz tickets. And it's like, now Whitney, now Whitney, Heather being a supportive friend and cousin in your healing journey is not the same as Heather being like, yeah, Lisa, I also heard the rumor about you sucking dick for jazz tickets. I am so confused about what happened on this episode. And I also have to say like, shout out to Salt Lake for A, giving us a full on reunion episode at BravoCon, which was absolutely psychotic, iconic, shocking. I want to remember the feeling of adrenaline that coursed through my body for the rest of my life sitting in my seat. Like that was wild, but I did find myself confused because I felt like a lot of the reaction online was very supportive of Heather's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, like maybe I'm in the minority on this, but I did understand what Whitney was saying in that moment. And I think Heather's reaction of like, this was supposed to be fun. You made it unfun is really tough. If someone is literally going through something and is being told they're not allowed to process it yeah. when the the seeming theme of this trip was supposed to be about support. Like Jen is going on trial, LOL, but like Jen's going through a lot. She should be supported, but Jen isn't the only one who should be supported. Mm -hmm. And apologies to Whitney's trauma for not coming at a more opportune time for Heather, who, you know, just- Cautionary, I just, I love all these women. Like I really yeah. truly am into all of them. So it's not like I hate some like versus Beverly Hills. Like I, I really am charmed by everyone in the cat. Well, minus one by everyone, almost everyone in the cast. But I do also like, I posted on Instagram after the episode aired, which again, shout out to me for watching live. Big day, big day. Um, I posted whose side are you on, on IG because I was like, I felt weird about it. And I'm like, someone needs to help me with this. And 77% of- Heather, 23% Whitney. And I do also add the caution, neither or both is not an option. I'm not like fucking around. You have to pick a side. Wait, you want to know what's crazy? I yeah, post, tell me. I posted a, I posted a poll. On Bravo TV, by Betches? On Bravo by Betches an hour ago before we started recording. Shut up, Bravo by Betches. 78% Heather, 22% Whitney. Seven, and I'm at 77, 23. And then I also post, did you do Meredith and Lisa? No. Okay, Meredith and Lisa, just so you guys know, Meredith was 38%, oh. Lisa was 62. But uh, that Heather Whitney thing is fascinating the thing to is, me. I think, I think the thing that's kind of impacting that, obviously people can watch this and you know form whatever opinion they yeah, have. totally. But I think that coming into it, Heather has such a bonus of just being more adored. of a fan favorite yeah. than She's Whitney adored. is. She's adored. Yes, and we... Uh, the, uh, Similar to Garcelle, another person at BravoCon who was just rapturously received all weekend. Deservedly so. Getting fucking standing ovations and stuff was Heather Gay. crying. And so I think that in terms of really unpacking this issue between them, definitely Heather is maybe being given a little more benefit of the doubt because she has this love for her Mm -hmm. that Whitney, I think, I mean, obviously there are a lot of people who love Whitney too, but I think Heather kind of has that in a more massive way. But I think the thing like when you were saying that Heather isn't really, you know, it's not, she wanted this to be a fun weekend for Jen. Yeah. I think the thing is that it's like Whitney is a little bit to me creating a false equivalency between 
the healing journey and Utah Jazz, the Lisa, the Lisa rumor. But the problem is that Heather is kind of shutting down all of it. And Heather is saying that all of this stuff that you've brought up this weekend should have been such a good point. Should have been pushed off because it was about Jen. Such a good point. And I think if Heather had just been a little more clear, I want to say clear, but I don't even know if she actually felt this way at all. So maybe it wasn't an issue of being clear and it was just kind of her being shitty is that it's like, you could say, I'm so glad you felt like you were able to share with us. That was so important. I'm here for you on the healing journey. But the stuff about Lisa, I felt like we should have, you know, pushed that off to a different time, if at all. Because the thing is, I think that the stuff about Lisa did not need to come out on this trip. If it was supposed to be about support and Jen and the healing journey, you know, whatever you want, all of this stuff that is, you know, positive, working through your feelings, being supportive, being there for the group. Whitney drunkenly being like, Lisa, I heard a rumor that, that Angie Harrington was saying it, the jazz, and he, this guy, and Heather was there too, and she knew it, and Meredith and I were talking about it, but it's something that I heard from Angie. Like, that's not supportive. <laughs> like, I totally understand why Heather's like, can you, can you stop? Can you shut the fuck up about this? And so for Heather to be like, I did something hard or Whitney, she's like, I did something hard. I told the truth. And it's like, nobody asked you to, but, but thank you for doing that. I mean, thank you for, thank you for me for doing that. But in terms of the, in terms of the vibe in the room, she didn't help the vibe. in the room. (laughs) Absolutely. Can I sidebar a question for you? Um, do we think that we're going to hate Angie Harrington as much as I believe that we are? Look, I am uh, anxiously awaiting the appearance of Angie Harrington next week. And I think with, with Lisa, I actually really appreciated the way that she handled this trip because at the lingerie party, Whitney bringing all of this stuff up, obviously Lisa was really upset about it. And even the next day when, uh, when Heather's like, I didn't say Lisa gave a blowjob. Who would say Lisa gave a blowjob? And Lisa's like, can we not, can we just like stop saying this? But I, I really respected the way that Lisa was able to kind of set that aside and still be there for Jen as they were kind of giving her this loving send off. And she was able to be at this dinner and, you know, it really felt like she was still participating in the supportive vibe of the trip. Whereas I could have totally seen it going left. And all of a sudden Lisa's just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. This is over. I don't want to be here. I'm storming out. And I commend Lisa for kind of keeping her cool for the most part. And, you know, sticking through the end of this trip because overall, I mean, that hug that she and Meredith shared after Jen left, I was like, wow. That was powerful. And it's not going to (laughs) last. I have a question for you. Okay. How do we feel about Meredith right now? I think I like the FBI hats. (laughs) I like her I Heart New York look was iconic. I Heart Half. Oh, yeah. yeah. But and she's and she's she's released merch that says I Heart Half of New York. But yes, wearing the hat and the mug or whatever is phenomenal. I think Meredith is... um, Meredith's in an interesting place because this stuff with Lisa is obviously going to be carried through the entire season. They're clearly still not doing well. Um, But it does feel in this episode, there wasn't really any Meredith and Lisa content, but 
going back to last week. Like it does feel like it's starting to be a little bit like, okay, if, if you, what will it take for you to want to move forward with Lisa? Like we can't just be mad forever with no kind of parameters. I don't, I don't know. I, I like Meredith a lot in general, but this season so far, I feel like I'm like, okay, can we, can we get a little bit of forward momentum? Cause watching two people just be mad at each other with no kind of direction is, it, it doesn't feel productive. I don't think Meredith is going to be able to or have interest in moving on until she hears Lisa Barlow say, I did that monologue intending for it to be on camera to embarrass you. And the problem with that is Lisa didn't. And Mm -hmm. I believe her when she said she didn't. I believe her when she said she was recorded without her awareness, which is a complicated conversation that she gets into in depth in an interview she did during BravoCon with Jeff Lewis for his show, which was a really great chat. Um, and John Barlow is there, which is always fun. But, um, I thought it was like a really interesting interview because Jeff was like giving more insight in his perspective that she was absolutely recorded without her, uh, knowledge. And after actually explicitly being told she wasn't being recorded, which I think is really fucked. But the the problem here is that Meredith is intent on proving Mm -hmm. Barlow's intention and, if Barlow is saying she didn't have, she had intention to just get this out of her body, but not for it to be on TV. And until Meredith hears what she wants to hear, I don't think she can move on. And that is a problem that could last until eternity because it's just not Barlow's reality. Right. If you're living in two, if you have two different versions of the truth and somebody has, something's got to give to get on the same page, you know, it's like, it's like a, you're trying to get a false confession out of somebody. And maybe to you, you really believe that they did it and they're confessing in a real way. But Lisa, to me, does not seem like the kind of person who's going to all of a sudden be like, you know what? You're right. Because <laughs> it, it that just didn't, it's bad enough to Lisa that it was on TV mm-hmm. after she really didn't think it would be because there's a difference between saying something and not wanting it on TV and- and I, again, they all signed up for reality TV, but these women all have private moments with production as well. Yeah. And I think that gets into a really complicated area that I'm obsessed with. But Meredith to me is giving like dance captain energy where she is saying like, follow exactly what I'm doing, but from the past. Like I am I am saying things about your um, blowjob, Utah jazz, yada, yada, on camera to embarrass you because that's how I felt that you embarrassed me. You know, like it's like Mm -hmm. literally doing it in a rewind and it's just not, I don't think it's landing in the way that she thinks it is, especially because she's trying to absolve herself from like making it sexual by saying on social media that that's not what she said, which is weird. Yeah. I did like, we end the episode that's been pretty heavy with a conversation about Jen's trial that oh my is god was iconic meredith, iconic stupidity meredith putting on her lawyer cap uh next the fbi cap if you will um <laughs> <laughs> while heather is like what would a good outcome be she gets acquitted on the first day great <laughs> it's like yeah so that's not gonna happen and then they're talking about stewart Whitney. they're talking about Whitney. stewart pleading guilty and whitney's like well don't don't you think that that could be a good thing for Jen? Because if Stewart's saying he's guilty, then it means he did it. 
And then Jen, <laughs> maybe Jen didn't do it. And Meredith's like, I don't, that's, <laughs> that's not how she's this like, I don't think, out. no, that's definitely not. No, like. <laughs> <laughs> that's where Meredith is incredibly valuable. <laughs> and then, the, and it, like them asking, they're like, wait, is Jen the big fish? And they're all like, uh, I don't know, but like the answer is maybe yes, because she's the last one. It's like, oh my God. Like, I, I, I'm sure if you're in that situation and it is your friend who you really want to believe is innocent and yeah. or is going to get acquitted, I'm sure it's really tough to wrap your mind around the actuality of the situation, but it's like, ladies, it is not this is not chill. <laughs> yeah. And it's a wild thing for Jen to process all of this happening, knowing the outcome, which I think is a internal struggle for the network and certainly production and watching her talk about like not being with her kids. Like that's very complicated and very sad, but knowing as she did at BravoCon, according to Tamara and others that she was like running down hotel suites, grabbing other people's glam, trying to get in poor Jen Shaw in a sprinter van, trying to get in a sprinter van to go to watch what happens live and being politely declined from that opportunity and telling people she wasn't going to go to prison is like a thing that she surely has maybe convinced people on the cast is going to happen, which is a wild alternate reality. And one that in which Jen believes she thrives mm -hmm. And just thinking about the way that she's probably said that to Heather like every day, like this is going to work out. I have a master plan. It's all going to work out. And these at a certain point, it's like you might believe it, which is where Meredith is so key because she is a fucking lawyer. We saw the way that she was acting with Lisa Barlow at the reunion. It was an iconic deposition. Right. So I think that's where it's really important to have someone who's like trying to translate it to her cast because that's an LOL who also understands it. Right. Jen is living in a world where she's like, no, 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 we're all good. We had to cut some corners. So now the makeup girl is also Crystal Pussy, the twerk instructor. But for, other than that, everything's great. <laughs> and it's like. Mm, mm, mm. And why do you have glam, ma'am? Why do, you have, Why do you have glam? Why does anyone have glam? There's five of you at a house in Scottsdale. You don't need Arizona. glam. You don't need to, to pay your glam to travel to Arizona. Like you're staying in a house from the eighties, like look like that. You know, like you don't need to, you don't need to look glammed up. I, I did see, I think it was her. She posted, she like reshared something Jen about, Shaw. yeah, like last week, like some hair person tagged her and they were like, Jen came to Virginia or like some other state to get slayed by like the ponytail prince. What? And it's like, this woman is still living in a world where she feels it is necessary for her to be flying to a different state to get her hair done. Okay. Listen, I'm not trying to like raise any bells that have already or ring any bells that haven't already been rung, but I don't, maybe this is a question for the Bravo docket and Emily D Baker. I don't totally understand how she got permission to go to BravoCon. I would, if the network wanted her to be there because it would be considered work, but like what work was she doing in New York that was approved by the court? I told you this. I think if she did like one paid appearance or one oh, sponsored post while she was there, I think that could settle it. I don't know. But like either way, she does not need to be flying to Virginia to get slayed by the ponytail 
priestess or whoever. I think it's complicated when you're a public personality because I don't believe that that was the excuse or the reason that she told the court. I think she maybe told them she was going for BravoCon. I don't know. Maybe maybe she had a BravoCon email from like pre-guilty plea where she was like, see, back in May, they said I could be there. If you are the judge reading, I don't know that judges read page six, but shout out to the ones that do hearing what actually happened. If, I would be curious. If you that. are Judge Sidney Stein <laughs> or if something changed and a different judge is deciding her sentencing now, uh, please call in or you're welcome to come to the studio if you're in New York. Slide into our DMs. Let us Can- know what's at Dame Galley. <laughs> Let me know what's up. Shout out, Judge. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, Sarah, this has been amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I love that at the end. I it's, love, you I know love who, that G is a K. You I know who it. else iconically did that? The the Whitney Rose K at the end of the word. I know someone did, but I forget who. Whitney Port on the Hills. That's exactly who it was. Thank you for that. The Thank OG. That. Lala does it a little bit too. I think it's like a Utah thing. I think it could be. But is Whitney from Utah? Yeah. Oh, really? I think so. Wow. Oh, Whitney, oh, Whitney Port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, no we know that we, <laughs> no, but, uh, in Utah. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Spiritually, she's spiritually from Utah. Um, Shout out Utah. So Sarah, thank you for being here. Everyone, you should go listen to Andy's Girls. It yes. is Sarah's hit Bravo podcast. Hits. Um, you, you go listen to Andy's Girls wherever you're listening to mention it all. I was on your most recent episode, which was all about BravoCon. It was mm. so great. And you also had a great piece that came out in the Daily Beast uh, talking about the BravoCon experience. Um, and it's always a pleasure to have you here. So thank you. Thank you. I did write about how BravoCon was a wellness retreat, as was today. So thank you for that. Wow. Thank you for that. Wow. wow. And now wow. you can go run the rest of your errands. I did bring a bag to Anitzia, <laughs> a place I hadn't been to before. And I am going to be making three returns. Wow. Life is a journey. Life is a journey. Thank you so much for listening as we are on this journey. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales-Picot. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Batches.